Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's always the weekend. Uh, the, the void of silence that opens up after the end of the intro every time. It's like just waiting for someone to, to say something. <laughs> uh, we're here to fill the podcast void. Yes, let's do it. Let's fill that void, baby. How you doing? Uh, man, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I've been on a bit of a, uh, Halloween bender. Oh. Um, I'm a little bit late, but it just, it just kind of happened at the last minute. I started watching horror movies and reading horror stories and playing horror video games. <laughs> Whoa, look at him go. Hell yeah, man. Um, Tell me about it. Uh, it's been fun. Um, uh, I played this game called Carrion. Oh, I know Carrion. Yeah, yeah. It's the big goopy boy. The big goopy boy, dude. It was so much fun. Um, you're basically uh, this entity in a test tube and you break out and, like, you're the danger. Um, mm. And it was just a ball. Like, the atmosphere is really good. The music was kind of, um, you know, Ridley Scott delayed chord stabs, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, And, yeah, it was, like... A Metroidvania, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, I didn't know and much about it to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was a Metroidvania with like no map, um, oh, cool. and it it like worked out pretty well. Like the conveyance was pretty good. Um, I did get lost a few times, but like they make movement fun and fast. So mm. like, um, like when you backtrack, I mean, enemies in quotation marks don't respawn so you can just like slide through all the levels really quickly yeah um, nice. so, so it's not like getting lost is you know a pain in the ass <laughs> um but yeah dude really fun really just like they made the combat incredible like i don't really know how they did it because you kind of like the the stick you use to like move the tentacles around and grab onto things also moves the camera so like when you enter a room with all these scientists and you just start thrashing people around like the camera's going mental and the music's yeah. going mental and there's like blood covering every surface of the room yep. it's uh yeah i don't know pretty good time pretty good time That's awesome yeah yeah i watched i watched some footage of that game and i haven't played any but it's um it's one of those games where like the procedural animation really lends itself to the to the style like yeah you're yeah. a weird like you know the thing style creature where like you've got thirty thousand limbs and you've just a big pile of goo but you've kind of <laughs> teeth in there like <laughs> yeah and yeah. so like animating something like that would just be not it doesn't make sense to try and animate something like that where you can grab onto any surface at any time and that's just like you know it's not a task for an animator and so like having a like procedural machine drive all of the motion based on player input is just like so genius and then mm. it, like you know it like lends itself to the world and the art style and everything's all slippery and gross and yeah it's very cool um, yeah and there's like there's a decent amount of game there you know i thought it would mm. just kind of be like a gimmicky one to two hour dealio but it was mm. like five or six hours and it was all really good yeah that's awesome wow five or six hours i yeah i love a short game love a short game king <laughs> totally uh, um, yeah man yeah, so that's been good, and I finished uh, Rondo of Blood, Davo of Blood. Oh, Demo of Blood. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was real fun. Um, and I found out what Rondo means. So oh, yes. Rondo is like a passage in 
a piece of music that is repeated. Oh. Um, so, like, the the thing they're going for there, like, the, the, the narrative, if you can call it that, is, like, every hundred years, the, the Belmont bloodline is summoned to fight Dracula. So, yeah. like, Rondo Blaine is kind of cute, he's yeah. smart, all right, Konami, whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, super fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I talked about it last episode. Just fucking good Castlevania shenanigans. Yeah, um, I might have to pick that up. It's on the Switch, yeah? Uh, no, it's oh. only on PlayStation. Oh, that's right. You said you got it in some, like, pack of Castlevania goodness? Yeah, yeah, it's got, like, that and Symphony of the Night. Um, sick, yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was real good, like, right up until the fight with Dracula. I mean, the fight with Dracula is pretty great, but it was just the same fight from the first game. Right. You know, where he, like, opens his cloak and lets the fire out, and you jump over the fire and slap him in the face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like it was exactly the same fight. So I don't know, like if they run out of budget at the end or something, but <laughs> it just, it just seemed really weird because they tried so many new things and yeah. like, it was all so cool. And then like right at the end, Dracula was exactly the same, but still pretty yeah. good game. I mean, that's the formula with a lot of games, right? It's like the game is when the game is really good. The, the final boss has to be disappointing. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Bioshock or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Like Bioshock that. syndrome. That's yeah, what the we're Bioshock calling it. Syndrome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, uh, hell yeah, man! I, I had a little bit of a, a Halloween content week this week. Did you have any other Halloween content, by the way? Oh man, I did. But let's hear. Let's hear your stuff. Oh, oh, okay. So, um, I played. Oh, sorry, first I watched a movie. I watched Event Horizon. Oh fuck yeah! That movie yeah. fucking rules. <laughs> it's like a. Oddly terrifying 90, no, 2000s horror movie, right? Like, when did it come out? Do you know? Uh, off the top of your head? 97. 97. I was right the first time. Yeah. Um, 97. And it has, like, a little bit of that, like, uh, slapsticky action stuff in there where, like, when mm. people throw punches, it, like, makes the psh noise, which psh. probably Discord probably got rid of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm talking about. And then yeah. um, it's got Sam Neill in it. Yeah, Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. And Fishburne, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was... It, I'd seen parts of it before when I was younger, but I think I'd, like, you know, only walked in on the end half or, like, the start and then caught the... I don't remember exactly what happened, but I'd seen right. bits of it. Yeah. Um, and I vaguely knew the premise, but it's, like, such a cool premise, you know? Like, invent faster than night travel by folding space-time and then, you know, while you're you sort of unlock some other realm by accident and end up there for seven years or whatever it is. Oh, dude, so fucking sick. And, like, the best thing about that movie is Lawrence Fishburne's character. Like, Mm. when shit goes sideways, there's none of this, like, slasher, tropey, stupid character decision-making. He's just like, we're getting the fuck off this ship and we're gonna blow it to hell. Like, I love, I love. Because as, like, as an audience member, you watch, you know, that scene and you're like, oh my god. And Lawrence Fishburne acts accordingly. Yeah, he's got real, like, proficient project manager vibes about him, where it's like, <laughs> how long do we have? 20 hours? Okay, how long is it going to take to repair the ship? Longer than that? I don't care. Get it done, you know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> then they do get it done, and it's like, fuck yeah, man. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it was a really cool movie, and um, yeah, pretty scary in parts, too. They do a lot of the jump scares and some kind of pretty grotesque stuff it's very gory for like a 97 movie dude yeah so that director previously worked on mortal Kombat, 
and for that scene that we won't spoil because if if y'all haven't seen Event Horizon and you're into horror or like spaceship thrillers, you got to mm-hmm. see that movie. It's really fucking good. Um, but yeah, for that scene, uh, the director hired porn stars to make it more realistic and oh, full right. on. Yeah, it's just, oh yeah, wow, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It it goes it goes pretty hard on it the really uh, does <laughs> on the core stuff. Yeah, it like it, it's kind of pretty tame for a little while, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then it doesn't let up for a while. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very cool. Uh, and they did like I don't know what it was about the movies in that era, but they had like heavy metal at the end. You know, they do that yeah, thing where it's like yeah. they zoom in on like some person's face or like it's like to be continued or whatever. They didn't do it. They, they said the end this time, but then they did the classic like uh, the Matrix resurrected end where it's like <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was fun. And then I played a game that I really enjoyed called oh, yeah. Signal Signalis. Signalis or Signalis? Cool. I'm not Sig- sure on the pronunciation. Right, I haven't heard of it. What's uh, what's its deal? Bro, um, so this is what <laughs> I was doing instead of playing our book club game this week. Uh, oh right, which I'll talk about later as well. But um, mm-hmm. dude, Signalis. If you've ever enjoyed a uh, Silent Hill game or a Resident Evil game, then Signalis is for you. Because are you a- serious? That's yeah. bro. That sounds. That's a very enticing tagline you've got there. Yeah, it is a, a love letter mashup of those two genres done in a PS1 slash PS2 early era style art. So, oh, cool. Yeah, they do the fixed camera. Everything's kind of pixelated. Um, there's these really interesting little first person sh- sections that it adds in there. Um, and yeah, it's it's the story is like you are a synthetic person sort of like an android i guess and Mm -hmm. um you crash land on this ship or on this planet sorry um and it was like a proposed future humanity planet so you know they're sending sending folks there to you know seed the universe with the future population right right and uh, of course it all goes terribly wrong and there's (laughs) there's all sorts of stuff to do with the androids and all the different types there are and uh yeah it's a it's very cool fuck that sounds awesome yeah yeah so that's what i was doing through the nights playing signalis getting spooked hell yeah um that that kind of like fixed camera stuff usually translates pretty well to console as well so yeah i think it has a switch port actually oh really oh fuck hell yeah yeah. i have to look it up but yeah i think i saw someone tweeting that it was either out or it's coming out um i'll look it up later sick yeah, very, very keen on horror experiences that make it to console. I feel like a, a lot of the good ones just kind of stay on PC. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this is one as well that, like, it's not, for me, like, Factorio, where it's like, oh, I can't imagine this on the Switch. This is, like, totally fine on the Switch. It works, you know. Right. Better. Yeah, I they they released Factorio this week. I, oh. um, I played the demo, which was Ooh. very nice of them to, to have a demo to try out on the Switch. And, mm. uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a no go. <laughs> like yeah, it, okay. it it seems to run really well. Like the demo, um, the demo is cool because it's not just like you know play the game for thirty minutes. It's like five chaptered kind of segments where you see oh. different parts of the game. Wow. Um, and like things get pretty bustling by the end. Um, yeah. And like it runs really well, but yeah, it's just 
you know, just, yeah, imagine playing Age of Empires 2 with a fucking controller. You yeah. Know? That, that yeah. shit just is not very fun. <laughs> not not going to fly. Yeah, damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Well, that's a bit of a bummer, but oh well. At least you got to see a little bit of Factorio and taste yeah. the taste the waters. Yeah, no. Taste very... the waters? <laughs> yeah, no, the, wa- the waters they t- they tasted fine. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hell yeah, man. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, can't wait to play that with you one day. <sighs> one day, baby. Um, so shit. Um, I I actually haven't played. I haven't started playing our our book club game. Oh, or our, okay. or, or our game club game. Um, I got totally distracted by Carrion because I was like, yeah. oh, I'm in the mood for this and it probably only goes for a little while, but it just totally sucked me in. Yeah, um, right. But I did I did want to say, if, if y'all are playing along with us, um, we are going to record um, the Death's Door episode on the 25th of November at the earliest. So if... if um, y'all are listening and playing along and you want to send an email with your thoughts, uh, send it before then. Um, and you can send it to it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Excellent. Um, I, yeah, maybe I won't say too much about my experience so far with death store in that case, just cause there's a couple of weeks of buffer there and I don't want to color anyone's expectations. <laughs> okay. How, how uh, much have you played of it? I played up to the first boss and I've beat the first boss. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm excited to jump in and and you know have a go. I'm really excited for the soundtrack because I heard it was like mostly piano and like mm. a little bit subdued and chill and I kind of I like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, cool. All right, cool man. You, you got you... some uh, chicken feed for me. I got some chicken feed. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of chicken feed, but I do. I do have some. That's cool. Um, so, first piece of feed. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Cavill is being replaced by Liam Hemsworth for the season four of The Witcher. Which, oh, I saw that. Yeah, folks are pretty upset about, apparently. They think, you know, Henry Cavill sort of poured into the role of uh, of Geralt and, um, and suited him really well. And obviously he's a super nerd and a super fan and played all the games and read all the books and was just like, you know pretty well suited yeah um and people like william hemsworth he's the shit one (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, well well i think like you know for the witcher for me is like an okay tv series but like henry cavill's portrayal of Geralt definitely made me want to watch it like um him and oh man i can't remember the actor who plays yen um, but they're really good as well and so, yeah, if if Henry Cavill is leaving and, you know, he, I think he's leaving because, like, of his just intimate knowledge of the Witcher world through the books. And I think he had a lot of kind of um, clashing with the showrunner. Oh, right. Like, like uh, he was... Like, they, they there was a lot of scenes that they filmed that were cut from the latest season and, like... He's like Geralt as a character had a lot more dialogue and like uh, you yeah. know a little bit more depth and I think he was a little bit disappointed 
um, that that stuff was kind of cut out of the final product. But, you know, while that is the truth, it's also speculation as to why that was why he actually left. Um, He just, yeah, it, it, uh, it doesn't seem like uh, it was a hundred percent his choice. Like I think, I think the news broke from like a Netflix outlet before he was able to be like, Liam Hemworth is doing a thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I never really got into the Witcher series. I tried to watch it once or twice, but it never really grabbed me um, as, a, as a show that I liked. Uh, I don't yeah. know why. I mean, it's it's okay. For me, it's just one of those like shows that I can watch with Phoebe because we right. don't we don't have many interests that cross over with television shows so when like yeah, right. some trashy fantasy shit comes up i'm like yeah i can i can forgive some of it just to hang out with phoebe and watch tv <laughs> yeah nice um speaking of tv have you been keeping up with the chainsaw men <laughs> yeah yeah hell yeah man <laughs> yeah god damn i'm so excited for the next episode <laughs> i already yeah. introduced one of my favorite characters uh himeno and um yeah i'm excited for the next episode because it based on the manga it's gonna heavily feature her so i'm keen right is which one is she uh she came in right at the end of episode four she's the girl with the eye patch oh my god i'm so she's... unobservant yeah okay. yeah i mean she i'll really just didn't say much in the episode like i think she said two words uh, and she was in the hospital outside denji's door with power in the hallway waiting for them right okay i mean i'll just i'll just hang out for the next episode i'm sure i'll know who you're talking about when that is (laughs) yeah you they they introduced all of division four which is like the the division of demon hunters or devil hunters that uh denji's in in that Mm -hmm. episode but Mm -hmm. they just stood there for a few frames and didn't say anything (laughs) right yeah i was like okay it was a hero moment you know they had dust settling around them and stuff but um Mm -hmm. they didn't say any of the who who they were or what they did it's just like here's these people now right Yeah. yeah yeah Um, and yeah, they, we got to see a little bit of the Fox Devil, which was always really cool. Um, yeah, dude, I'm loving it. I'm a huge fan. Hell yeah. Love to hear S- it. Second piece of news. <laughs> uh, this is also Witcher related. I actually have four pieces of news, but I put the fourth one in because two of them were Witcher related. Fair. Um, and I think we actually mentioned this one last time. Um, Witcher 1 is getting a remake. And it's, I think oh. it, it was like a code name last time. It was like a Witcher related project is getting made by another studio, not CD Project Red. I uh-huh. think that was the news. Right. Yeah. Um, so the studio is Fool's Theory and they're using UE5 to make a, a Witcher 1 remake. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. man, if they hang on to the writing, mm. that, that'll that actually be sick because that the writing in that first Witcher game is really fucking cool. Mm. Um, it just had some of the worst gameplay. Did you ever play it? No, I never played it. Oh man. It had, so combat was like, it was just, um, you know, I think Witcher one is only on, on PC and Mac. Um, and the combat was like clicking on the enemy in like, uh, it was kind of like a beat game like dance Mm. dance revolution like you had to click to i I can't remember what you had to click to but like a beat or like um you know the enemy's animations and like the more you clicked kind of in time the more damage you did but there was like zero strategy you just kind of walked up to an enemy 
and clicked and hopefully got things right and did enough damage before you died. And right. if you if you weren't doing enough damage, you just mashed health potions. Like, it was just... Yeah, it was uh, a really disappointing combat system. But, like, the stories and the characters, like, that shit was there for real. It was really good. Yeah, goddamn. Yeah, cool. Um, I've seen footage of it and I've seen, like, running around with two swords at the same time. Is that right? Uh, or is it my completely misremembering? Oh, uh, it's been a while. I mean, it 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 might be possible. I honestly just remember like the the story beats um, mm. more than anything, and like there was I don't know if it was a mini game, but mm. like you would go around and bang witches, and you'd get like a collectible <laughs> card for banging the witch. Oh my god! It was uh yeah very strange and like the cards always had this like super macabre art where like you know they'd be naked and covered in blood and like cradling skulls and shit like it was very weird edgy yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so edgy in my video game i love it uh okay (laughs) yeah all right well hopefully they do cool stuff i mean they're using ue5 not the um not the fox engine what's the the crytek engine is it crytek right yeah i don't know whatever they're using they're not using um the one that they use for the Witcher series, which I think is going to be exciting. Um, right. Because they they built that for the Witcher series, I think. They, yeah, what was it? I can't remember the name of the engine. It's yeah. not Crytek. It's some, something else. Something else. But yeah, they. I feel like they either heavily modified an engine or they built it specifically for the Witcher series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's cool. I'm I'm pumped to see what they do with that. Again, I feel like it's way too early to be talking about it, but here we are. Um, <laughs> Dragon Age Dreadwolf has hit alpha apparently. Oh, is that like the next Dragon Age installment? Yeah, yeah. So oh, I'm not a huge Dragon Age boy, but have you? Do you did you get into him? Um, I played the third one, Inquisition. Um, and I've seen Phoebe play through the first two, um, a couple of times now. Um, and yeah, like I, yeah, like I think the writing is, is pretty damn good in the third one. Um, but man, like that third one came out eight years ago and, and Bioware haven't done anything even close to good since then. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm holding my breath for whatever they do next. Are you saying you didn't like Anthem, Game of the Year edition? <laughs> oh, my God. I saw, um, man, like, it's, you know, it's November going into December, so it's, like, sales time. Mm. Um, and I saw Anthem was selling for 50 cents at JB Oh, Hi-Fi. what? Yeah. Oh my god! I know, just Not like, <laughs> and there are, dude, there are some like pretty good games going for really cheap right now. Like uh, that Day Six game I'm playing at the moment is five bucks, brand new. Like mm. if uh, if if y'all have been listening to me talk about the atmosphere in that game and it sounds interesting to you, go and drop five Australian dollars at JB Hi-Fi <laughs> and pick that shit up. It's it's good. <laughs> Um, speaking of JB Hi-Fi, which is a really weird pivot, um, but last week I dropped my phone and, um, it like had, I've dropped it a couple times before. It was fine. had a little crack in the bottom, but I think I dropped it in a really, really particular angle and basically Mm -hmm. shut the entire screen off. Oh um, shit. For good. Like I couldn't see anything. There was like pixels kind of melting over the surface. It looked really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to get it fixed at one of those like little, you know, uh, kiosks that they have in the, in the shopping centers that do I, phone repairs. I know the ones. Yeah. 
and they were like, ah, oh, this will be uh, $390. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can put that. And I walked away and he was like, yeah, I'll do it for $350. And I was like, oh, nah. And I kept walking. He was like, I'll do it for $300. And I was like, <laughs> bro, what the fuck? Where am I? Is this Australia or like Thailand or something? What's going on? How much do things cost here? Um, and then he was like trying to sell me some other phones that he had that were just like outside of their boxes, just floating around in the kiosk. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to leave. Um, but keep that number in your head, $300, right? Okay, yeah. So <laughs> I go to JB Hi-Fi and, um, and this is a great deal. So if you're in Australia and, um, and, don't, and, and are not on Telstra and you feel like creating your phone, then now is a really excellent time. Um, so basically they have a deal <laughs> are you, where... Are you sponsored by JB Hi-Fi? Did they get to you? Yeah, so this episode is actually sponsored by Google and JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> we have two sponsors this week. Oh my God. Um, and it's also sponsored by Telstra. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not with Telstra, you go to JB Hi-Fi, get a new phone, and they will wipe a whole bunch of money off the price via a gift card if you transfer to Telstra. So like... You can get, I can't remember the exact numbers, but if you go in, you'll be able to know. I got $1,000 off my phone by swapping to Telstra, basically. Wow. Um, so, yeah, the phone that I bought was like 1300 So, I ended up spending $300 swapping to Telstra and getting a brand new phone. So, that's that's the story. Wow, that's delicious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty sweet. I could have, could have repaired my phone or I got a brand spanking new one. Look at that consumerism, baby. Look oh at that God. rampant post-capitalism landscape we're languishing in. <laughs> Jesus. So like so did you go in, you saw a thirteen hundred dollar phone and they gave you a thousand dollar gift card if you bought that phone, but you just applied the gift card to the phone you bought? Yeah, that if you buy that phone or if you buy any phone really and swap to Telstra. Incredible. Yeah, the, it, the the amount that you get is based on the uh, money that you pay for the plan with Telstra. So they put you on a Telstra plan for 24 months and it's, you know, if you spend $70, I think you get $350 off right. the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's all sorts of different amounts you can pay to get different uh, gift oh. card amounts. Oh my God, you know, and I just realized this yeah. is the exact same conversation that my grandparents had when they turned 75. <laughs> We, we have just jumped forward 40 years. Wow. How about that, man? I mean, I'm feeling feeling older and older these days. Um, Um, So what's the third piece of news you've got for me? (laughs) I love how scattershot this news has been. It's like, what what did the first piece of news... Oh, we talked about Chainsaw Man off the back of uh, The Witcher, which is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Classic segue. Uh, the last piece of... Oh, so Dragon Age Dreadwolf uh, going in alpha just doesn't really mean very much for the public. All it really means is that the game is playable from start to end uh, in mm-hmm. some fashion. Um, so, you know, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has cutscenes all done or it doesn't mean that it's fe- it, it, like all the features are even necessarily in. Although alpha is technically feature complete, they could add and remove stuff between mm-hmm. now and release, or between now and beta and release. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's, it, it just, it's just like, hey, we're still working on this game and we just hit our internal milestone. So that's what we're just letting you know, which is nice of them to do, I suppose. Yeah, well, they've had, um, they've had uh, a blog dedicated to like the... Um, development of that Dragon Age game going for like a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess that's good for them that you know shit's coming to fruition and it hasn't been cancelled or like I mean we don't know if it's been monetized. You know who get, knows what kind of game it's going to be, dude. Fucking Atreus's Leviathan cock for three bucks. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
Wow. Um, Speaking of HSS Goliath <laughs> and the Cock, final piece of news is God of War uh, um, Ragnarok. Rag- yeah. Yeah. Ragnarok. Ragnarok. <laughs> a review embargo lifted this week. Oh and uh, yeah, we, I mean, we've spoken about reviews on the show. Obviously, it's all hype and it's it's uh, everyone's excited for it. And it's got a bunch of really good reviews and people being like, it's the best game on the PlayStation. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll probably play it, but uh, yeah, that's that's where it is. That's that's the news, baby. You got any bag chips? Oh man, I got I got nothing. Oh, actually, I do have one, just just a teeny tiny update um, for the uh, Bayonetta three saga. Oh, I don't God. know. I don't know if you saw this. So like, we talked about it a lot. I'm not even going to recap. If you're that interested, just go and check it out. But over the last couple of episodes, the uh, voice actress for Bayonetta has been publicly losing her mind and oh spreading misinformation. And one of her original statements was boycott the game and donate it to charity. And oh. she's finally come through with a list of charities and it's like anti-abortion charities yeah. blue lives matter charities and yeah. it's just like oh my fucking lord so yeah she she has just done one of the most spectacular nosedives i've seen in recent times that's so disappointing man but bayonetta as a character you know i mean like we shouldn't necessarily tie actors to characters like that but it just feels like such a weird gross mark on the character for me <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Like, separating artists from the art, you know? It's mm. like Kevin Spacey. And oh, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's definitely something I think about a lot because, like, I've been watching a lot of Roman Polanski films recently and he's, mm. you know, he's fucking makes Kevin Spacey look like Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. I don't know anything about Jerry Seinfeld, by the way. Oh, I just God. assume he's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like... Uh, because, like, Roman Polanski's face isn't in those films, it's not, like, I don't know, it seems easier to stomach, but, like, when I see Kevin Spacey pop up in, like, House of Cards or Seven or something like that, I'm like, ugh, you know, I feel too close to the artist. But, yeah, like, having a voice actor is, like, another kind of phase of removal from, like, having them as an actor on the screen. But Mm. I know what you mean. It's kind of... It is a weird feeling. Yeah, it's just like there's a little bit of a mark on the glass now from mm. the... Uh, what did I say before about water? Tasting the water from the water that which we taste? Uh, yeah. Bro, I don't know. I think uh, I think we're, we're having an aneurysm this episode. A oh, shared dude. aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> right before uh, the episode, I said, I need help with you bring me back to Earth. And we've, we've gone through the crust. And now we're in <laughs> mantle i believe <laughs> we yeah. sunk well and truly below earth oh my god um, and and now it's time to go a little bit deeper as oh. we breach this week's topic um so role playing um mm. i talked i uh, uh, sprinkled a, a little bit of that um of that dark souls hype in one of our episodes a couple of weeks ago where i mentioned i did a playthrough um to research a topic and that is this week's topic Um, so when I talk about role-playing, um, I did mean specifically in video games, but we can talk about fucking whatever we want. Um, (laughs) but what I was trying to do, right, I was basically trying to reinvigorate my experience with Dark Souls. 
you know, I finished Breath of the Wild and I was like, oh, that just makes me want to play really good games. And I gotta, you know, I haven't played Dark Souls this year. It's time to boot that baby up and visit Lordran. Um, and I was like doing a level one run, trying to like optimize a couple of things, trying to get to like Sense Fortress in 30 minutes. Um, and like that was okay, but it kind of just felt like, you know, project managing a video game and... Mm. After playing Breath of the Wild, I just wanted to have fun. You know, girls just want to have fun. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to reinvigorate my experience with Dark Souls. And it's kind of like a pretty hard thing to do for me because every item and Dark Corridor is seared into my brain. Right. Um, but I was I was able to get pretty close through role-playing. So um, I started a new save. Uh, I played this adventurer by the name of Ferndo. Um, and Ferndo suffers from Riddick, uh, Riddock syndrome, which, which okay. is also known as statokinetic disassociation, which okay. basically means he can only see moving objects. So right. practically this means he can only loot falling bodies. He can't pick up any stationary loot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that on its own has really changed things up. Um, jumping back into Laudron, but my boy Ferndo, he's he's also really obsessed with shiny things. So like, if I if I found a new weapon that's shinier than my current one, then I instantly equip it. Oh, um, okay. Sa- same goes for like armor or shields, um, which was absolutely cooked because like equipping shiny shields gets really heavy really quickly right um, so you're forced to hold a, a shield that you can't necessarily wield properly a hundred percent or like uh... it's it's not that you can't wield it it's just that you know there's like um how you roll and how like you manage your weight is pretty important in dark yep. souls um and so like it just totally threw all that shit out the window um and so there there are a few concessions i had to make ferndo bless his heart um dude could see ladders and levers um he could also see doors that he needs to open basically because if he couldn't then the like i wouldn't be able to progress through the game um i couldn't really come up with like an in-world consistent reason for him to be able to see these things um I was like, maybe he's ingested a bunch of hallucinogens. Right. He, he thinks like those static <laughs> objects are moving. I don't know. That's that's the best I could do really. Um, and I also decided he could see treasure chests. Um, oh yeah, okay. Because like you need to loot a treasure chest to get a key to escape the Duke's archives, which is right. like just a, a late game section. And there is this skip where you like jump onto the elevator and you avoid being killed by Seath and going through all that crap. But I've never been able to do it. It's really fucking hard. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's it's emotion blindness and shiny shit for Ferndo. And he's really friendly to all the NPCs, so no no killing the NPCs for, for their gear. But um, dude, it like changed so much about the game for me and just especially taking a game that I'm super familiar with I've played like a million times Mm. I just I kind of got to discover like a bunch of new things that I just hadn't noticed before like um oh shall I walk you through because I finished the playthrough now um shall I walk you through some of the like highlight shenanigans that um (laughs) that Ferndo got up to due to role-playing yeah man this is awesome hit me with the hit me with the shenanigans 
All right, so, like, Dark Souls starts off in this, like, tutorial area, and, um, you know, you start completely naked with nothing. Or you might have your armor. I can't remember. I started as the depraved, so I was naked. Um, and, uh, you know, as you go through the tutorial area, your weapons are on the ground and you pick them up. But Ferndo can't see that shit, right? So yeah. he, he had to beat that boss with the broken straight sword. Oh, God. And, and so, like, that boss fight went on for ages, but, like, the music is fucking awesome. And, yeah, like... Yeah. The music's always been good, but you only hear, like, 30 seconds to a minute of it if you're playing the game normally. But when that yeah. boss fight takes, like, 10 or 15 minutes... You like, hear the whole song. <laughs> you hear the whole song three or four times. But, like, yeah, yeah. it was... Yeah, it was really cool. I was like, oh, my God, this this song is fucking legit. Like, they're not yeah. they're not pulling any punches on this, uh, this violin composition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, man, what else did I do? Oh, I, I was forced to take um, this skip to get down to the depths so we're kind of getting in the weeds here but uh if you remember to get down to the depths you need to like open this door near where you find soul air um anyway that door is opened with a key that you find on the ground which isn't in a chest so my boy ferndo couldn't see that shit um and like it was cool that i was forced to like use a skip where you like use a staircase to jump down to the depths and um yeah, it was just kind of cool where I was like, oh, man, usually, you know, part of, like, run optimization is, like, putting yourself in certain places in, like, I don't know, uh, like, you're basically doing a sequence, right, that's right. the most efficient sequence to get, like, the right weapons and the right rings and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but this totally changed because I was like, I couldn't see a lot of the shit that I would <laughs> I would usually go for. Um, and there were more extreme examples where like, uh, I would meet, uh, this merchant that sells really exuberant armor, um, like after beating that big fucking dragon, what is it? The gaping dragon? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's this merchant that appears and he sells really expensive, like shiny, interesting armor. And so I didn't have enough souls to buy any of it. So Ferndo did all of Blight Town and Q-Lag without levelling up or anything because he was like, i got to save all my souls for that <laughs> shiny gear. And it was just like, it was so fun to be like, fuck, this is absolutely the wrong decision. But like, yeah, yeah. this is what the decision. What would Ferndo do? Exactly, exactly. What would Ferndo do? Yeah. Um, and man, yeah, it just like, I used weapons that I've never used before because they were shiny. Um, I like found the silver knight set before fighting um ornstein and schmo and Mm. dude i've never fought ornstein and schmo with a heavy roll um and that shit was fucking so hard like i was (laughs) i was stuck on them for ages just because i had to like relearn the timings yeah Um, a different role yeah different role and like when you've got heavy armor you're slower to start running and you know it like affects your movement in in a major way um and yeah like after ornstein and schmo i uh i found this giant's halberd that was like the shiniest weapon i'd seen by by far but it needed like 
way more strength than I had. So, like, mm. I didn't have much health or stamina at that stage, but Fando, bless his heart, he was like, all I'm doing is levelling strength so I can <laughs> wield the halberd. And it, it just, mm. like, it just put me in, like, a totally different scenario um, that I've just never found myself in when playing Dark Souls. And it was, like, it was really cool that, like, I just introduced, like, a few basic concepts and it changed up the way I approached the game in such a major way. Um, That's awesome, man. What a cool story. (laughs) Yeah. And so like I got to see Dark Souls in a totally different light, right? Like I I had the heavy role basically the entire game. Um, And man, like I realized, you know, I kind of had forgotten because we first played this game so long ago I just, I'd forgotten how punishing it is for players that don't know what's up. Mm. Like, you know, at, at pretty much the start of the game, that that dude, the golden armor dude, kills the firekeeper at the main bonfire for the whole game. <laughs> and, and so that bonfire's off limits to you now. And it's yeah. just like, I've, you know, once you know that, you kind of figure out a way to avoid that happening pretty much every playthrough after you learn how to do it and so like because i was nice to the npcs i couldn't interfere and like when the firekeeper was dead i couldn't loot her stuff you know because i couldn't see it and like yeah just it just changed everything um but yeah definitely definitely a unique experience i'd uh i'd recommend it if you're a, a dark souls fucking maniac um and i think you could also do the challenge without fando being able to see chests um if you can do that skip that i mentioned but you also get the ember from a chest that allows you to improve weapons past plus five so like that would be a pretty brutal challenge run um yeah, so fucking wild ride with Fando. Uh, <laughs> Fando's big weekend. Fando's big weekend. Um, yeah, just, man, had to relearn a bunch of things. Sometimes autopilot would kick in and I'd yeah, like right. just loot something and be like, oh, wait, I couldn't see that, so I'd like have to drop it. Um, and sometimes I go like way out of my way to loot something that I couldn't see just because I was on like autopilot. Right, you know, right. Like I went to that firekeeper's soul by the toxic boys and the doggos. Yeah. Uh, because that's just what you do. And like I looted that shit, went all the way back to Firelink Shrine. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like I wouldn't have been able to see that. So I just <laughs> had to drop it and, yep. uh, you know, carry on. But it's, it's some good willpower there as well, I reckon. I reckon for me, I'd be like, oh, I'll just have this one. Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. a lucky break, you know, like roll a d20 or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that actually, that could be really fun where you've got like a rule you want to break and you're like, all right, if I roll a nat 20, I get to break the rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I like, I loved the idea that I could inject new life into a video game with like just a couple of rules. Yeah. Um, like I had, I hadn't really done this before, but I started doing it a little bit more this year. Um, and it's, it's been like really cool for games that kind of work with it. Like it, it worked really well with Dark Souls because you project the experience almost mm. like it's a D and D character, yeah. you know, it's not like your Dark Souls character has any dialogue or like, 
you know, you're not working with dialogue choices or anything like that. Mm. Um, like I tried role playing with uh, that day sex game and like it was still fun, but sometimes like that main character is really nice and I was trying to be like a lethal dickhead. Right. So, you know, like they had designed, you know, dialogue trees and like, I guess paths that the narrative can go down but that's like a set number of paths so like because i'm not familiar with the game i was like oh i want to role play like this but it just turns out that that is not actually a possibility um whereas yeah like in dark souls you can just project the experience and kind of do whatever you want as long as you're familiar enough with everything yeah nice yeah there's a few things that i've got written down here as you were talking oh shit. Um, Sorry, I'm just finishing writing the last thing before I leave my brain. Um, Yeah, so do you think something like that would be possible to do on, like, your first playthrough of a game? So, like, you just have never played Dark Souls before and you're like, I'm going to do this thing where I, you know, never do this or always have to do this. Um, I think... I think if you had played FromSoft games before, then Mm. sure. But I think if, like... It was your first FromSoft game. I think I think you'd probably give up. Like it makes things so much harder and it's like things are hard enough already your first time around even when you think you're making the best choices. Um and that's kind of why FromSoft games like the best time is the first time because you're like super engaged. You're like, I'm going to make all these decisions as best I can. And I'm still struggling. Like that feels, that feels really good to be like, I'm trying to outsmart the game and the game is still like keeping up with me. Yeah. Um, Whereas like, if you were to do it the first time and like you had the heavy roll, like, yeah, dude, like I struggled with Ornstein and Schmo and their fucking moveset is like, just burn into my brain and I was stuck on them for ages. Like it took me like 20 or 30 times. Yeah. Right. Um, and like if you're a new player and you had the heavy roll and you didn't know the moveset, like, I don't know. I I don't know if I would have the patience (laughs) to like keep going back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, writing one more thing down. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know what? Let's just, let's embrace the scatterbrain episode. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Okay. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think it's cool when games can facilitate stuff like that, just Mm. out of the box. I think it's Mm -hmm. like, it's awesome that you know, like are able to inject like new life into a game like Dark Souls by role-playing a really bizarre dude <laughs> with mm-hmm. like all sorts of like, you know, quirks. Mm. Um, but I think it's really cool when games and the example that keeps coming into my mind is um, a Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh yeah. Right. I've, I've never played it. So Red Dead Redemption 2 for me is one of the most, uh, or the, the best example I can think of of a game that tries really hard to force you to role play. Oh, um, so there's a bunch of stuff that happens in that game and it doesn't, it, it forces you down one particular track, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, or, or one of two particular tracks. It's not like you can be like, uh, I'm a rootin' tootin' cowboy who 
loves boys or whatever like you can't just do that um <laughs> right you, like yeah. they've, they've got a pre-designed character and yeah like a yeah. narrative arc that you basically play out yeah but the way that it nests you into that character is really uh like at every corner it tries to you know make you feel as though you are role-playing that character so like right. for example um it's, I think it's a lot to do with the way that Arthur talks to himself and talks to his horse um, and oh, talks to yeah. other people. Um, yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff that happens in that game that is just completely nonsense, doesn't add anything to the overall experience, the story doesn't matter. So like mm-hmm. you can take a bath in that game if you feel like you need a bath. Hell <laughs> yeah. Or like your beard will grow so you can go get your, your hair cut. Uh, it doesn't change anything about the story. You just get a new haircut, trim your beard. Right, yeah. Um, the way that you talk to people around camp doesn't necessarily i mean you get some side quests and stuff but like after a long day of like being a cowboy you can go back to camp and like get yourself a meal and go and talk to the people around the fire and just catch up with everyone and Mm. like just that experience of like playing the cowboy who's off you know doing like you know trying to supply or like uh provide for the the rest of the camp is Mm -hmm. like a thing you know, and like, um, I found myself like wanting to take care of myself as, as Arthur Morgan. And then when you, something happens at a certain point in that game where it's like, oh man, now it's going to be harder to take care of myself. And like, right. I, have, I have this thing going on and it's kind of unpredictable. And, um, it does a really good job of emphasizing that to the player as well. And so, yeah, games that like, I don't, I can't think of a way to describe it other than like nest you in the character like that. He's um, mm. really cool, and I, you find yourself. <laughs> it sort of translates to to the real world a little bit, where like Arthur talks to his horse all the time. He's like, "Good girl, or good boy, you know, like mm-hmm. come over mm-hmm. here, let's go, let's go, we're gonna ride it." Okay, <laughs> you know, like you start talking like Arthur Morgan. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I like, I, I really like that about that game. And then the other thing that I wrote down here was. Um, nuzlocke which you've done before which is like a oh, similar the, the pokemon challenge run yeah and so people have a bunch of different rules and stuff applied to this but i would love to see um uh, like a set of or like i don't know i don't know where you would put it like maybe on the, the like a forum or something like that for all mm-hmm. sorts of different games where you can supply suggested um characters traits or quirks for different games to change the experience in a way that you know works and right so, yeah what, what was your character's name in dark souls again <laughs> Ferndo. Ferndo. you could go to like you know the dark souls uh forum and be like hey i made this character Ferndo. here's all the rules you have to play with Ferndo. you can do a Ferndo run if you want right like it's kind of like um oh, what do you call it they're kind of like wikis uh like yeah. the, the fextra life forums where, yeah, yeah. where there's like builds they're like oh yeah. you know i i wanna i wanna be like a strength build or a dex build but you go and there's a fando build and <laughs> oh yeah. my god yeah that's cute i like that I would love to see more stuff like that show up because like Nuzlocke is so well known and I'm sure there's other styles of runs of different RPGs that people have done or have spoken about, mm-hmm. um, but it's never really like as concrete as Nuzlocke. So yeah, I would love to see like, you know, a little community somewhere spring up around like a random game and be like, Hey, I made this character. If you want to play them, you can. And here's how. Mm. Um, yeah, I wrote down um, Cyberpunk because that that game sort of does an okay job at that, um, right? Like giving you license to kind of inject your own personality over the top of 
what what's the character called? Q seven? Uh V. V? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. So people have been like made uh builds and, you know, um character palettes is it no, I don't know. Just like show you how to make the look of characters from the anime series. Um Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you can play Rebecca or you can play as David or you can play as, you know, anyone from the series and there's like a different build for it. But it's like, sure, you know, visually you look like that and your stats are like that. But like, mm. yeah, I think there's like another layer there where you're like, I'll only take on side quests that uh, do this or like I'm not yeah. allowed to wear this specific type of armor because this reason. Yeah. Um, See, and that's that's why I think you need to kind of be familiar with the game already. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I, if I started up Cyberpunk and... I mean, the the things Ferndo suffers from are pretty extreme, mm. but it's just because I know what all the interactions in that game look like. And mm. I'm like, I mean, there's a big interaction around, you know, managing your weapon damage and your poise and how much weight you're carrying. Wouldn't it be cool if I could just impact that with one choice? Like, I have to have the shiniest thing I've got. Um, yeah as an equipped item like i i know how many systems that impacts i'm like hell yeah yeah, let's do that whereas like with cyberpunk i wouldn't know what kind of uh quirks my character would have to make it like more interesting right right i i think like yeah it sort of becomes apparent at a certain point and and that's what i was going to get into a little bit and i think you sort of touched on a little bit there is like dev facilitated character types Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, a game that does this really well is oh <laughs> no my rage has stopped <laughs> oh my god that right at the experience. precipice yeah right yeah yeah um, it's a role playing game they had uh, the whole Mass drama event. with the um, people um, quitting uh, getting fired uh, uh, blizzard Activision? No, no. We were talking about it in the news the other day. Um, oh, God. Za-um. Za- oh, Disco Elysium. Oh, Disco Elysium. Oh, Disco Elysium. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, God. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, like Disco Elysium, you sort of start to, at a certain point, you realize what a lot of the stats are doing and they roll, like the rolling aspect of that game really forces mm-hmm. you down or like it feels as though you're like, you know, you're hampered at doing a lot of things, you know, like if you don't spec into physical and you try to punch a guy, it, it ain't happening, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I love that about that game. And I think other games could lean on that a little bit as well. Like in the um, Red Dead example, it could be like, you know, Arthur only uses a specific type of weapon, you know, like it doesn't mm. matter if it's on the ground and it doesn't matter if you don't have any other guns, you have to pick up this one type of weapon. And use right. It yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I think Disco is kind of an outlier in, in that way because it's, I mean, it's just so well designed as a role-playing game that, like, the stats you choose to improve absolutely kind of form your character and the experiences that character yeah. has. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, at the when you start that game, you've got, like, a bunch of points you get to use across all, all your stats. And all the stats are, are really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen, kind of, stats used in, in, a, in the way that they're used in Disco. Um, but, like, I saw Phoebe play a little bit uh, with a character where, like, she had a really high intellect stat. 
And yep. I had a really low intellect stat when I played and a really high empathy stat. And so, like, whenever I talk to characters, like, I would have all of these insights into how I'm feeling and how other characters are feeling, whereas yep. Phoebe would have all these insights into the history of, like, whatever the characters were talking about, and she'd have, like, this encyclopedic rhetoric being like, oh, they mentioned this, makes you remember blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like, I mean, that... Yeah, that game feels designed for you to play the way I just played Dark Souls, where you're like, I'm going to have these quirks and do these things, and, like, those quirks and those things are in that game for you to choose as options. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, stuff like that being facilitated by the development or by a mod. I guess modding is kind of where that stuff thrives as well, mm. um, which is yeah, which is interesting. I was, yeah... So uh, thinking about this makes me want to go play Cyberpunk some more and just like decide that I'm going to do it a certain way. You know, I'm only going to use hacks. But then yeah. like that, that game is, at least in my experience so far, is like you can only, like especially early game, getting away with that is very not okay. Like you can't right. hack your way through the first few missions. You need to use guns. Um, but yeah, so I would, I would love if it if it allowed for that a little bit more, you know, like if there was some way to just use cyberdeck stuff um mm. i mean you mentioning mod is like mods and stuff kind of i don't know it's uh, real exciting for me because i'm like oh man imagine if you could mod those options into dark souls where right. you're like you've got riddick syndrome you know yeah. you, you've got an obsession with shiny things and like it would just automatically allow you know, your character to interact with ladders and things that you need to interact with. Um, but otherwise, like, the second you pick up a shiny weapon, like, it auto-equips and it you can't unequip yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Like, it just, yeah. Because then you don't have to do all the busy work, you know? Like, mm. all, like, you know, figure things out. It's just all kind of there built in. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it changes the way that game is experienced. You know, it sort of toys a little bit at a certain point with, like, desired outcome by the developer. You know, like, they want to have folks have a certain experience. But mm. I don't know. Like, maybe after you... It's like... It's kind of the same as like unlocking the final difficulty after you beat the game. I think it's like okay, yeah. you had the desired experience. Now you can play it on ridiculous mode. You know, Bro, if you were like finish the game, now you can experience it on all these different user generated, modded, styled, you know, role playing experiences. Here's a little yep. character sheet. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, dude, that'd be really cool. And like, um, Carrion has a similar thing where like yeah. I unlocked Christmas mode. Yeah. Um, and like, I have no idea what that looks like. I haven't booted it up, but it's just cool that it's like, yeah, you've had the experience that we designed now fucking, you know, get your jingle bell on. <laughs> like, I don't know what that, I, I have no idea what that looks like. Like snow themed, the scientists are Santas. I have no idea, but like, I love that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome, man. That it's sort of, this topic has sort of, you know, a, it has reignited your your love for a particular game in an interesting way, and B, has made me consider playing a whole bunch of games that I thought that I was kind of done with or that I wasn't interested in playing anymore or whatever. Right. That's, that's, yeah, that's sick. That's cool. And I hope it's doing it the same for the listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, like if you've if you've got a game you've role-played in, I'd love to hear about it totally, and like yeah. what, what you role-played as. I mean, yeah, the, the FromSoft games are like a really good example 
of like games that are pretty malleable when it comes to this kind of stuff. But again, it's like, it's about knowing those systems. Um, because like, yeah, if I was to start up cyberpunk and I was like, all right, let's put Ferndo in cyberpunk. Like, I don't know what that needs to look like. Like how many ladders are there? Are there doors? Are there chests? You know, are there things that are basically going to stop my progression if I can't interact with them? Um, yeah, it, I, I mean, I think after you play, you could probably get a good grasp of it after like a couple of hours of play, I think, um, right. and, then, and then make a choice, um, Yeah, which is kind of a shame, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of not a shame because like you need some, you need knowledge to do anything, I guess. But, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is totally like what you said. This is for bonus experiences. Like yeah. I, I, yeah, I know you asked like, would you do this if you were playing Dark Souls for the first time? And, like, I just don't see it happening. Like, I don't see it being a good time. I see yep. it being like, oh, man, I've played Dark Souls. Like, I've beaten it five times now. It's so fucking good. This is the spice you need to, like, keep having fun with the game. Totally. Yep. And I think it's great because it's also, like, it's it brings on, like, a sense of creativity in the player, just, like, natively, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, if yeah. you are familiar with the game, it's like, just thinking about games like cyberpunk where like you can have an inventory of like 50 guns or whatever you could be like okay that's not realistic in my mind i want to have a <laughs> you know a role play where i can only carry the guns that i'm allowed to carry in my hand and one bonus gun which i would imagine is tucked in a bag somewhere and then yeah. anytime you come across guns you have to like decide which ones you want to keep and drop the rest uh, yeah you know or stuff like that um or like you could play a thing where anytime you have food, you have to eat it or drink. You know? like if there's something <laughs> yeah. in the scene that's edible, you have to fucking eat it. That's you know? so good. You've got like an eating disorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, it's just stuff like that where it's, it feels so creative and like games that allow you to do that. That's, that's, that's fun and interesting and, and bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also not poking fun at people that have eating disorders, no, but like yeah, the, course, the yeah. idea of spicing up a virtual world with something that's found in our world is really interesting to me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and, and you have so many oh shit moments. Like, I mean, I did where like, you know, I was just going about my Ferndo day and, um, you know, I did struggle a little bit because I just know where to go and what to do. And I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything, um, that would make sense where I could pretend not to know where to go. Um, Mm. so I just, you know, I just went the way I knew, but like, I would sometimes come across an enemy, I'd defeat them and then they'd drop an item and I'd be like, oh fuck. Like, you know, Ferndo can see that cause like it was a moving body. Mm. I loot the body. I know these guys drop shiny things that are really bad and like it it ends up being like worse for ferndo because of like those rules i've put in place but right yeah again just like still creating those surprises in a game i've been playing for over a decade is (laughs) really cool yeah that's awesome yeah fresh making it fresh with, with with um like a new challenge like that is is the name of the game i reckon like it's that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Because it's like you can dream up all these scenarios that like role play and make the game more interesting. But they a lot of the time, I think the interest comes from it not being convenient anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, if you have to eat everything in the scene, then or drink everything, and it's like you're you're at a bar and there's just a bunch of loose alcohol. Like that's it for you, <laughs> you know. Like you probably can't play that next mission for a little while because. You're 
yeah, I mean, you know, maybe that's, you know, going into a new experience. Like, I haven't played Red Dead 2, but maybe going in, like, being an alcoholic is something that I could yeah. kind of role play pretty easily, just yeah. knowing the, the little that I know about that game. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So go out there and play play some roles and tell us about it at it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com. Hell yeah. You got uh, you got any finishing thoughts, final thoughts? I know how um, to talk. <laughs> do I have any finishing thoughts? Um No. No, I don't. That's it for me. I was just quit while I was vamping just then I was checking the emails to see if I could to see if anyone said anything in my emails this week. So no, no final thoughts. That's it. We're done. Uh I hope everyone has a great weekend. I hope everyone had a good time listening to fucking two scatterbrains lose their mind. <laughs> yeah, um, that was especially scattery, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Uh yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>